In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts and a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I'm asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 31 The Facility Part 2 It had already grown dark outside. I turned on the flashlight on my phone and continued down the street. I thought about all the times I'd run up and down there with Simon racing, me on my bike, him on his skateboard. How we'd argued and made up and called each other names and put up a fight when strangers tried to do it too. I couldn't believe that he had really hurt mum. He'd never hurt anyone like that before. I've heard old people say that you can never really know anyone truly. That serial killers and abusers and war criminals are always someone's child, someone's friend, someone's lover. That sometimes that terrifying part of them is hidden deep beneath all the things that seem good and pure. But I think they're wrong, at least in this case. I know Simon better than anyone else. I know he doesn't always do the right thing, but he would never do something this bad. The streets looked unnervingly deserted in our neighborhood. I put my hood up, holding onto the straps of my backpack and cast glances into people's houses as I walked past them. My mum always told us that it's not polite to do that. It's invading people's privacy. And I kind of get that, but I still do it. When Simon and I were both still in school, we'd leave the house in the morning and walk down our street towards the bus stop. And we'd look in through people's windows and make up stories about them. It was silly, really, because we knew so many of our neighbours, so we were well aware that our stories were ridiculously far from the truth. But it was a way of making life a little bit more interesting. Pretending that old Mrs. Carter was secretly the head of MI6, or that the Sager family were on the run from some foreign government. Now, I looked in through the windows, and I tried to think up stories about the people I saw, but it didn't feel the same, doing it alone. Every time I came up with something like the man sitting alone eating a microwave dinner has been waiting for his wife to return home from work for the past ten years, when really, I stopped dead, unable to continue. I couldn't finish any of the stories on my own. The skin on my arms suddenly started itching, and I scratched them furiously. Of course, there was also another aspect to it. I couldn't look into these houses without thinking of the facility. My mum had never been allowed to pass on any details about the work she was doing. 
who was being sent away, things like that. But rumours spread fast in the neighbourhood, and, more often than not, someone always knew who had been sent away to the facility. Old Mrs Carter, for example. Rumour had it, two years ago, her grandson was sent away after he attacked her. I never really knew him well, but I think his name was Ben. No one really knew what happened to them after they were sent away. All we knew was that no one in the neighbourhood ever saw them again. I remember one particular morning, maybe six months after Mrs Carter's grandson was sent away, I walked past their house and my mum was standing on the doorstep talking to Mrs Carter. I didn't hear much of what they were saying, except that Mrs Carter said, I really don't understand why they won't even let me see him. She sobbed terribly and then my mum gave her some pills and they both went inside. I reached the grocery store where Simon used to work. This large, ugly square of a building with great green letters on the front. It was empty now. A poster of a group of employees, smiling brightly, had been plastered onto the front doors. Someone had drawn with a red marker on it. Crosses over the eyes and sad faces. And the words, We are not your property. Somehow, looking at that poster made me cry. I don't know what it was. The words didn't really affect me in any way. But looking at it, I realised how stupid this whole thing was. Me, running away to find Simon when I had no idea where I was going. The itching had moved from my arms to my stomach and legs. It was driving me crazy, but I tried my best to ignore it. The universe is a strange thing. Most of the time, when you're looking for something, chances are you'll never find it. But just in that moment, something strange happened. A face appeared on the other side of the glass doors. Not a human face, but the head of an albino fox with red eyes. It had the body of a human and was dressed in a suit. I was sure that I was hallucinating, though I couldn't see how or why I would be. But no matter how many times I blinked or rubbed my eyes, it was still there, looking at me, curiously, as if I was the strange creature. It didn't say anything. For a split second, it disappeared, and I breathed a sigh of relief. But then, it reappeared right in front of me and began walking down the street. I don't know why I followed it. I probably shouldn't have. But I didn't know where I was going and the way that it walked told me that it at least seemed to know where it was heading. The night grew darker as we walked on and I thought about talking to it but I wasn't sure what I was going to say. Hello? Who are you? 
What are you? All these questions seem so terribly stupid. I thought it was better just to keep my mouth shut. An hour later, we were way outside of town. A place with scattered houses that all looked empty, though that might just have been because it was so late at night and everyone had gone to sleep. We were heading towards a large square building with no windows. Around it, there was a tall, imposing security fence, like the type you see around military bases. We stopped in front of the fence. When I turned to look at the creature, it was gone. I heard footsteps approaching, and my first instinct was to run away. I was somewhere I shouldn't be, that was clear enough. But I also knew that there was no sign stating the fact that I had somehow found my way to the facility. The footsteps got closer, and I saw a silhouette appear on the other side of the fence. It stopped for a moment, then continued until it stood right in front of me, separated only by the steel. Simon? He lifted his head and looked at me, but the eyes that stared into mine seemed unfamiliar somehow, like there was nothing really there behind them. And his face was, it seemed to be rotting away. He brought up a hand to it and peeled off a bit of skin that flapped from his cheek. I couldn't cry. I just stood there, staring at him. What happened? He began scratching his arms furiously, and I wanted to stop him, but I couldn't reach him through the fence. He mumbled. The itch never goes away. What, what do you mean? I don't want to be here, he said quietly. You don't have to. I'll get you out. He laughed like a madman <laughs> and cried. Look at me. There's no coming back for me. But how... Why did this happen? I saw you this morning and you were fine. He shook his head. It's been coming on for a while now. My skin started itching and I got so mad, I just... I didn't know what I was doing. No, you... No! It couldn't be true. My own skin begged for me to scratch it, to relieve the feeling. I'm so sorry. None of it made any sense. Not what he said or the creature, or this place. I looked at him, and I realized that I had nothing to say to him, nothing to make it better. So I just pulled out a packet of cigarettes and offered him one through the fence. He took it and smiled. It was all I had left to offer him. An alarm went off somewhere. They'll be here soon. Simon said. 
I don't care, I said. You should. They're coming for both of us. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and narrated by Lizzie Van Tambo. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening. <laughs>